0: and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people.
1: And amen. amen. Hopefully, God is going to make a way that I uh, I get through this. That you guys don't lynch me. Make sure my trap door is, is here and ready, so I can make a quick escape. You know, sometimes as you set back and you're you're in the ministry, but you uh, obviously I didn't preach. At all, I think during January, when Pastor was out sick with COVID, and then uh, his his good friend kidney stones, and uh, and Pastor or, uh, yes, Pastor Travis says it is now, praise God, he carried the bulk of that. I think Colby preached once. Yeah, thank you all. And um, and I wanted the younger generation to preach. So I think the last time I was up here probably was a Father's Day also because. Uh, well, in those days, the two young guys, neither one were fathers. And so for them to be bringing forth a Father's Day message just didn't seem like the the right thing for them to do. Uh, you know, like you look and say, well, what experience do you have? You're just a knucklehead. I can get away with that because one of them is my knuckleheads. But, you know, I've been I started thinking about it. And, and literally, I've wrestled with this message from the time that pastor asked me to, to preach because it's something that's been... Deep in my heart for a long time, a lot of these thoughts and ideas and, and things you're seeing, but sometimes that's the hardest to get out to get it from here to here and then to come out here where it's going to make sense because the, the, the heart starts racing and, and, uh, and then really you realize, man, I got to season this thing with love. You know, Pastor has said many times that, that all truth and no love is what? A bully. And I absolutely didn't want to be a bully today. Uh, and so I pray that that's not the case, that that uh, there's enough love. I, you know, I'd made so many editing notes in the course of the week that I realized I can't even hardly read my own draft. And so as I started redoing it yesterday, what did I do? I rewrote probably a third of it again. And so I do ask that uh, you just pray with me and you know, but I, I joined staff here in September of 1999. That's a long time ago. And yeah, there was a, a, a break, if you will. Jackie and I went away to Bible college. And then obviously that was training to be missionaries, to go to the country of Zambia, the people of Zambia. But in our hearts, and our minds, we were still in the ministry. And actually, if, uh, if you're here, if you're back, once you've kind of crossed that threshold you were still on staff. It didn't matter if you were in Bible college. It didn't matter. Uh, Deputation, uh, Danny can attest to that. There was a lot of demands in those days. uh, And I I was proud to serve. But what I want to say is you see a lot. You witness a lot. And I can truthfully say, and I think everyone would agree, at no time, say in the past, really in our lifetimes, if we go back that far, have we seen families being under such attack? Under such pressure. I am so thankful to have raised my sons. And that we all survived. That we didn't kill one another. Trust me, there was times that thought crossed my mind. But you know, they were under attack. As Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus by the principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness of this world spiritual wickedness in high places. We, the enemy is not each other. And we need to give each other a break at times. Man, the result is that relationships, family relationships, they're badly wounded. Some are bleeding. Some are are, are bleeding out. Some are, I, I pray to God, they're not mortally wounded. But to repair them, beginning a reset, seems impossible, doesn't it? And, you know, everybody kind of thinks, well, you know, do you have a title? Well, Extreme Makeover. Yeah, that's corny. I know. But it's time that a lot of families and a lot of young adults and a lot of relationships went through an extreme makeover. Why not make it today? Why not begin today? We have to start somewhere, don't we? Have we thrown in the towel and we've just given up? I pray to God that that's not the case. You know, it was Jesus who said in Matthew 19, 26, Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. It might be so damaged, and and I'm talking about all relationships. So, yeah, there's going to be some toes stepped on. (laughs) I was, I was laughing with Doug a little while ago about the limp, and he said he'd make sure he limped for me. But I said, well, you limp all the time, brother. So he needs to, he needs to walk out dragging that leg. But the reality is, many times we don't know where to start. But with God, all things are possible. The relationships between husband and wives, moms and dads, because not every, not every marriage has children. Parents to kids, and yes, there's another one, that's kids to parents, have all been affected. And while it's true that knowing, you can't erase the past. Anyone ever said anything you immediately regretted? That even before the words had settled you, you just wish you could reach out and take it back? But we can't. And words, we've heard it said, words do more damage than anything we can, we can ever do, any of our actions. We can't erase it, but we can definitely hit a reset button. We can say, you know, from this day forward, we will make a difference. To begin this process, though, we've got to recognize a few things. Number one, it's going to take time. I wish there was overnight miracles. They're few and far between. The closest thing that I would say I've ever seen in terms of a Uh, a spiritual miracle or a a family miracle, if you will, really was one of my own sons, one of my own prodigal sons, the middle child who, uh, if you were here for Travis's ordination or have have watched the video, couldn't make it because he got, uh, COVID caught him up in Taiwan and they couldn't get out when they planned. But that child, that young adult as he was actually, he was 18 or 19, When he finally made a real decision to trust Christ as his Savior, and I say a real decision because he'd gone through the motions years before, and he would say if he was here today, he did it to get the youth leaders off his back. Gordon was probably one of those youth leaders at that time, I imagine. Yes, he he admits to that, along with uh, Noah Fox, to get them off their back. But the moment he trusted Christ, he changed 180 degrees. And that's not usually the case. It takes a process. It takes time. As Travis is a testament to that, as my own self is. Uh, sadly, there, as I said, there's no quick fixes. And the number one mistake we can all make, and we do all make it to some degree, is we listen to the world. We listen to the world over the word of God. Why? Why on earth would we want to listen to the world to, and today? Keep, and it's a world that's what? It's falling into greater despair each and every day. Runaway inflation. Anyone feeling any the effects of that? Do we buy gas? Are we eating? Financial markets are collapsing again. World peace. If that ever was, uh, what well, has been a dream, obviously, for years. But if it ever was possible, it's, it seems like that's long past. We're living in a world, in fact, that seems like it's drawing closer to another world war. We see no value of human life. There's school shootings, church shootings, workplace, random acts of violence. There's, there's no reality, there's no guarantee of any safe place. And that's the world we live in. We're in the midst of a month where we're celebrating the sexual debauchery and perversion that God's already condemned and judged a long time ago. You have to sometimes just be gun barrel straight. We could go on and on, I believe, in, in saying how bad things are. But I, I pray and I hope you've gotten my point that the view's wicked. And it's the last place that any of us should be taking instruction over the word of God. So the foundational blocks that we need to, to have in order us for to move in, and to heal... We've got to agree on these. Nod your head. We've got to agree without compromise. The world says there's no absolutes. Been in those kind of college classes years ago. Had those discussions. But this book that we call the Holy Bible, they'll say it contains errors. They'll say, oh, I've, maybe they can't point to anything. In fact, they, we know they can't because it's a book without error. And generally, well, I've heard it has errors. And I would get confronted with that in our time in Africa all the time. And I say, you know, that's, that's interesting. I've, I've heard of that myself. Could, could you tell me where one of them is? And of course they can't. But we've got to agree, if nothing else today, that it's the absolute imperative that you believe it. It's infallible. Word of God, Amen. without error, without contradiction. The fact that it, you know, consider this, the fact that it was written by approximately 40 different men spanning a period of over 1,500 years, and there's no error contradiction, doesn't that attest and prove that that could only come from God? Under God's influence? It was Peter who wrote, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21, for the prophecy came not in old time, but the will of man, or by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And the ideal is that literally the Holy Ghost breathed into them the very words of God that they would put on paper. Paul wrote to second, in 2 uh, in Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Hold on one second. I like a lot of you have fought allergies all spring and uh, then got a little cold a couple weeks ago and recovering, but I think we've all heard it said or talked about or maybe even preached that the doctrine that Paul's writing about here to Timothy Doctrine is what is right. How do we know what's, what's right and what's wrong? For reproof is identifying what is not right. For correction is how to get it right. And the instruction in righteousness is how to keep it right. And additionally, with accepting the absolute authority of the Bible, we need to be reminded as, as Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 40, uh, verse 8, and, and really the second part, but the word of God shall stand what is today that we read what was written and, and you know realizing now is we're 2,000 years plus away from the time of Christ, that some of these scriptures are, are thousands and thousands of years old. But if the word of God is not true today, as it was at the time it was written, then we have nothing. And we're bankrupt. And your children and children's children will have nothing. So we have to agree that it would be preserved. In Matthew 24, verse 35, Jesus said that heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words shall not pass away. And if we believe anything else, and if we say that some of the Bible is archaic, and probably a lot of us have heard that. Maybe some of you have said that. And it doesn't apply today. I'm sorry, but it, to me, that's basically calling God a liar, and it's it's one of the pitfalls that we're falling into as parents, because our kids are getting drowned with that in school. That it's archaic; it has no place in today's world. We've moved beyond that. Can't you see? We're, you know, can you tell I get frustrated? <laughs> But doesn't it place us in the position, if we believe it's archaic, of saying that the creator, the sustainer, the keeper of the universe created everything that we can see? Isn't saying that he wasn't wise enough to have his words recorded that would still apply today and for the tomorrows? You know, it was Jesus who also spoke in John Chapter 12, verse 48, and he said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judges him. And the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him the last day. You know, God has given us his sure word to lead and guide and strengthen us. I'm not finding that out in the world anywhere. He's not left us abandoned and alone. If you're raising a teenager today, number one, God bless you. (laughs) Number two, I can guarantee you, you feel that there's times that you're abandoned and alone. I did, absolutely. Romans 15 verse four says, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Without the word of God, We've, we've, we've heard it. You, you guys are all pretty regular here. I recognize almost every one of you. Praise the Lord. Even the gentleman with 17 grandkids. You've visited, you've visited here many times. You know, you don't, you don't forget when Santa Claus comes in with his beard. Good to, we always wonder what you did in your time off. We've got to believe that this book is True. It, it's the only hope we have. When I look at the world and I think of people that are raising their kids, we see these acts of violence and it's no wonder because we've taken the word of God out of virtually everything that these kids are exposed to. We're not allowed to teach. We're not even allowed to have a moment of silence, of, of what we called a silence for prayer in schools in my day. folks as you leave here today and maybe if you take nothing else with you leave here trusting the absolute authority of god and i was going to close my book and act like we're done but we're just getting started (laughs) we're just getting started you know secondly in addition to the absolute authority i want you to ask yourself this in all earnest can you honestly say that your house, your family, is serving God. Remember the words of Joshua. Can you claim Joshua's passionate words for your very own household? Let's remind us, Joshua 24, 15, and and we'll skip the middle uh, section a little bit, but in, in the beginning of 15, it says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day who you will serve. I mean, Joshua did go on. He talked about the gods that they had, served when they entered the promised land or or actually through the wilderness and the different peoples they encountered. And now they're getting ready. They've crossed into the promised land. Actually, Joshua is towards the end of his life. And he said what? at The the iconic words at the end. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Not sometimes, not part-times, not Sundays only. But each and every day, each and every month, each and every year. You know, the, the Hebrew word, and, and, and trust me, I wasn't even, I looked at it. Couldn't have started to say it. But the Hebrew word that was used here for serve, I wanted to, to expand it a bit. It literally meant to work, to serve. As if you were enslaved to it. As if you were in bondage to so that you could do nothing else but serve no other but the Lord God, that's what Joshua was writing about. The ideal of worshiping, which we typically will relate to, is when you're looking at uh, at a lexicon and and say all the adjectives that was applied or could be applied to it. Worship is way down the list. Be enslaved to the Word of God, and serve Him. But sadly. From my perspective, we've got a lot of fence-sitting going on. Scripture refers to that as being double-minded. We've got one foot in, we've got one foot out. Well, I don't like that part of the Word, and so I'm just going to ignore it. I'm never going to read those chapters or that book. Certainly it has no application. Too many homes and families treat the Word of God as optional suggestions. As the line made famous uh, from Pirates of the Caribbean, they're just guidelines. Heaven forbid, God forbid, this is the word of God. We complicate it when we do anything but follow the word. I'm sure by now I've stepped on a lot of toes perhaps. Maybe some are getting angry, and you may be thinking that I have no idea what you're going through, and you're right. I'm not there. Pastor Skinner was one of the things that kind of our mantras we've had for years and years, and Pastor Greg has said it, although not as frequent, but there is a broken heart behind every door, and we know that to be true. We don't know what each other is going through at times. I've not walked in your shoes. I know that. But my overall answer to you would be that I pray to God that you will never, never know what it was like to walk in mine. You know, as has been shared over a period of time and those that have been here a while know when, when, when Travis has preached before and he really opened kind of the, the pathway when he gave his testimony and then opened another door when he talked about the, the troubles that he had been in and shared. And, and what that has done is allowed me to be uh, vocal about it, if you will, to share. Because I, I hopefully, as, as Travis said on Wednesday night, hopefully there's something that will help you. I've talked to many people, actually, when, they've, when they have learned what we've gone through. During Travis's ordination service, which was a week and a half ago, and I know many of you were here. I pray perhaps a lot more of you, if you couldn't make it on Wednesday night, maybe you've watched it online, and uh, if not, I encourage you to do so. Uh, I'm not just a prejudiced father to say, but the Spirit of God was alive and working. We saw testimony to what God can do when man can't. But he did, what I've referred to as he opened up another window into our relationship. And I wanted to be just as real as I can be, so just to remind us, if you were here, but I want to share that window with you again now, if we've got that uh, video clip, I think.
0: A quote from the Bible, and then a quote from two modern-day theologians that maybe could um, maybe help somebody out. I don't know where you're at in your life, with your kids, or your ministry, or the will of God in your life. So the Bible says, to him that knoweth, to do it right, and doeth not, to him it is sin. Uh, The first time I ever got in in trouble with the police, he probably doesn't want me to share this, honestly. I don't know if he even remembers it, but my dad turned me in. He said, get in the truck, we're going to go get a haircut. (laughs) There's no barbershop at the end of that ride. We pulled up to the sheriff's office. And I didn't appreciate that as a young man. I think I was 14, 13 or 14 years old. And I gotta think he knew what that was gonna do to our relationship, Um, at least at that time. But now as a father, the lesson that he taught me that day was invaluable. I'm sure he didn't really know what to do when he figured it out. But in the words of Princess Anna of Arendelle, (laughs) sometimes all you can do is just do the next right thing. And that lesson that he taught me that day has been invaluable. I don't know if I've ever told you. But thank you. Thank you for that lesson that you taught.
1: If you've caught me looking over here, it's because Travis is normally sitting here. I don't know where he is, but he's really thrown me off. Oh, he's over there further. And on Wednesday night, I was sitting about where he is. And so he was looking at me. When he said, I don't know if you ever told you that. And, uh, and he looked over and he kind of kept looking. I was like, I said, well, you have now. Because that's the first time I'd ever heard it. I asked him later. Uh, the only thing was that night, I think it was the next day, I said, had you planned to say that? Did you know it? He said, well, it was, he had had the thought. But I had no clue. He mentioned I didn't, he didn't appreciate it, as you can imagine. And what it would do to our relationship. And then, of course, those iconic words to do the next right thing. And in the truth, I wasn't sure what that relationship would be like either. There were times when all three sons, that I was sure we would never be close, that I was sure things were so fractured we might never speak to one another, that we would be one of those families Well, I haven't spoke to my son in 20 plus years. I could easily see that happening. Man, things were hard, difficult. The next right thing, most of the time I didn't know if I was coming or going, The truth is that the next right thing is what does the word of God say? Turning your child into the sheriff. Number one, when the sheriff calls and says, Mr. Owens, you need to bring your son in. What was I going to do? Take off running? Our family had enough problems without me being on the run. But you know, turning your child into the sheriff, do you think that was easy? Man, it tears you apart. But what I did know was what Travis needed most was not for me to be a friend trying to, to shield him, but he needed me to be a parent loving him enough that he would face the consequences for his actions. Amen. See, I'd made that mistake earlier already with our first son and tried to, uh, to shield him at times. In fact, the sad reality is, turning Travis in, that wasn't the first time that I had to do that. Not with Travis, but on two earlier occasions, during our oldest son's most rebellious years, I'd had to call the authorities. I had to report, because crimes had been committed, if you will, that had violated the very trust of the family. Much to my angst, but you can't take it back once you've done it, one of those times led to more than 15 felony counts. And you say, oh my God, what have I done? But I did what I had to do. It's gut-wrenching. It does tear your heart out. It's not easy, but where does God say it's going to be easy to raise up your family? The reality is, it, it, you know, it sounded nice. I believe it was Nancy Reagan that coined the phrase, it takes a village. To raise a child. But the sad truth is it shouldn't. It should just take men and women committed to the word of God. And to raise your children up in the word of God. And to stand firm. To be strong. Man, I'm telling you. Jackie has said it too when she's talked to ladies over the years. And and various opportunities. Thank God that we never hit rock bottom. Each of us at the same time. Or the marriage would not have survived. You know, being here at Battlefield was my hospital. And I told Joe Chambers the other night on Wednesday night, I said, you didn't know it at the time, but you were my personal EMT. Man, when I I had to be here, we were wounded, we were bleeding, we were dying. And you come back in and you get patched up at a service, even a Wednesday night service, to make it through the next few days. There was times, I mean, I gave up the only actual um, hobby, if you will, that I had at that time was, was I was still 10-pin bowling in a league with my father, which I had done for, gosh, close to 20 years. And I gave it up because I didn't know what I was coming home to. I didn't know what damage was going to be done or if my wife had been injured or if maybe Travis had been injured. And I had to be home. You know, it's not spoken much about anymore, and certainly even less now in our new wokeism and our woke society. But the concept of tough love is more in line with the Word of God than anything man offers. And we, and we tried man's routes, and, and they were helpful at times. Yes, we were, we were in counseling. Jason was in counseling, but ultimately I needed this counsel more than I needed anything else. The ideal of tough love, and this is where it's gonna get, get sticky for some of us. Proverbs 19 verse 18, yeah, we're going to Proverbs. Chasten thy son while there is hope. Don't give up hope. And let not thy soul spare for his crying I can't tell you how many times I've heard parents say, I just, when, I just can't bear my child to cry. I was that way when they were younger. Oh my gosh, if one of them started crying, I scooped them up and, and I had to stop it in some form or another. Because it does, it, it pulls at you, it, it tears you apart. I, I rocked that firstborn son to rock him to sleep and solve his crying and, and that was great. Except the moment the rocking stopped and I tried to lay him down. Oh my gosh. World War III broke out in the bedroom. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Now we're starting to get in those tough languages there. Those tough words. Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth the rod hateth his son. But he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Proverbs 23, 13, and 14. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. And I know we struggle with the, the beatest him. We're not, God wasn't advocating caning for your children. That's right. Get over it. That's right. I guess they used rods because he didn't have belts as pastors refers to. They had olive trees. My boys can attest they did not die. When my mom told me to go out and get a hickory switch, yeah, that's, what, that's the way they talk from Georgia. I did not die. And if I showed up with a fallen, dying twig, I was in more trouble than not. You learn very quickly. You're breaking off something... Fresh. So that by the time my sister came along eight years later and then started getting old enough to be uh, whipped, if you will, I don't think she could reach any of those limbs. I don't remember her, her getting the kind of whippings I had. The one son who should hate me the most for a whipping he received is sitting right there. Travis has reminded me of it a few times. To the point where I had to say I'm sorry one time that that's all you remember. What a feeble attempt at apologizing. If I could take it back. Don't ever punish your child in anger. When the fury is raging, because I did that. By today's standards, it was an arrestable offense. Don't walk in my shoes. To lighten it a bit, I said here in my notes, if you're struggling with the harshness of the language, then just read it in another translation. (laughs) Get past the beatings. Get past the rod. Verse 14 said there in Proverbs, it said, shall deliver his soul from hell. Isn't that the ultimate goal of a parent? It should be to ensure that that child has trusted Christ as their Savior. And that in so doing, you've rescued them? But the questions start. I've, we've been there. Why? Why is this happening to us? How? How, how? how did my son go so wrong? How did my daughter go so wrong? How did I go so wrong as a parent? What? Who hasn't asked what could I have done different? Or what should I have done? You know, during that span and, and getting three prodigals raised. And, and it was a long time after that before they were really where they needed to be as young men. But one scripture became my anchor that I clung, clung to. And it was evangelist Jamie Ragle who had gave that verse new hope and clarity. I believe if memory serves me right, he, he probably spoke here on a Sunday night, I think, And it was after, I believe, he had spoke at one of our teen camps. But it's Proverbs 22, verse 6. One we, we, most of us know. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. But you know, in my casualness of of knowing and understanding the word in those days, I had thought that verse had said when I was old. But it was Jamie who pointed out, You may not see it in your lifetime. It doesn't say when I'm old. It doesn't say when my wife is old. By the way, I'm older than her. Make sure you tell her I said that. But when he is old, he will not depart from it. Don't give up. It may be a long time coming. But we need to be that firm foundation. And never waver. The word of God must remain alive invisible in you, if your son or daughter's not seeing you living out the word, anyone like don't do what I do, but do what I say? I hated it when I heard it. I believe I've been successful at never saying that. That's how much I hated it. And as much as 22 verse 6 was my anchor, it was also a very convicting verse for me. Because I knew in my own relationship to God, and therefore my training had oftentimes been lukewarm to cold. And before we arrived at Battlefield, we'd even checked out of attending church for a few years. You know, I thought I had done enough, having those boys in church for a few years in their early life, and then we just kind of drifted away. I felt like I had done more than my own dad. When we arrived here, we were were Sunday morning attendees, sometime worshipers. Sound familiar? I thought that was enough. That was all I did. That was all I had. But I was convicted because I knew I had failed. But I didn't give up. Instead Instead of just throwing in the towel, the reality was I ran towards God. I had nowhere to go. I said, This was my hospital. I, I had to be here. There's, things didn't improve overnight. No, it was a process, man. I'm, I'm just getting bandaged up. Families are under attack. The enemy is not your spouse, young people. The enemy is not mom or dad, the enemy is the devil. Scripture says he's walking about seeming whom he may devour in 1 Peter 5, 8. Mom and dad, your love is unconditional to you as Christ is unconditional to us. There's nothing you can ever do that you'll stop loving, that your parents will stop loving you. There's nothing Travis ever did that I stopped loving him. Children, guys, young adults, the world does not love you. The social media platforms that seem to have overtaken so many of you does not love you. Parents, God has given you your child as a heritage of the Lord. Psalm 127, verse 3. They're a gift from God to you to love, to protect, to cherish, to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Ephesians 6, 4. And these directives really are direct Parallel to really training up the child in the way he should go. Proverbs 22 6. Remember, I said at the onset, you've got to hold on to those two foundational blocks, speaking of the Word of God and the surety of God. How do we reset our relationships? Versus, Pastor often says that until this relationship is right, the vertical, you to God, and got from God to us, and so that's right, we'll never get this one right. But the reality is, we can work on both of those at the same time. We don't have to say, well, I'm going to set, I, I, I can't repair that relationship with my, my children. And it doesn't matter how old the children are. When do you stop being a parent? The day that I die. God forbid or if my children should die first. You can work at it at the same time. The good news, simultaneous, the fact is we can work on it together. Precious word of God. The miracle cure, if you will. You know, before we go any further, I, I, I should have said it even earlier. I realize, and, and praise God, there's a lot of families, a lot of marriages. You've never hit a bump in the road. That things are great. And, and I would say never take it for granted. Because it, it could all change tomorrow. Love and pray for each other. Keeping Joshua 24, 15, your battle cry against Satan. As me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But for those that are things are great, it, it doesn't hurt to remind us, does it? To re-encourage us. How do we begin those makeovers? Real quickly in the time that's left. Young people, teens, your young adults. What if I could tell you one thing? Where you would never have a disagreement with your child. Kids that mom and dad would never argue with you. You would never be punished outside of maybe bringing home that bad grade. Wouldn't you want to know it? Wouldn't you want to do it? That's not really a secret. Not really popular either. But simply obey your parents. Ephesians 6.1. In fact, let's turn to Ephesians. Because we're going to spend the remaining of our time in Ephesians 5 and 6. Uh, mostly 6, I do believe. Ephesians 6.1. God says, remember, this is the word of God. Yeah, Paul's the human author. But we, we, that's why we went to that verse. Men of old wrote what God breathed, how the Holy Spirit moved. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In verse 2, start, honor thy father and mother. That word obey simply means doing as one's told. You know, there wasn't a time, as long as my parents were still alive, that if they asked me to do something, that I didn't try to do it for them. Because of the second word, the honor, Honor means to respect and to love. God had given me to them and and quite frankly, them to me. They were my parents. The Apostle Paul here is literally reaffirming what we know to be one of God's original 10 commandments, isn't he? To honor thy mother and thy father. And the more, young people, the more you make this your habit, and you can make it a habit. You can just say, I'm going to stop being rebellious. It's that simple. I'm going to stop arguing. I'm going to stop questioning. But make it your way of life. You're not only going to please mom and dad, but more importantly, you're going to please God, the Heavenly Father. And it's amazing when God is pleased with your life, the things that start happening, the things that you wouldn't, wouldn't even think about praying for and considering for yourself would take place. And this is where it gets even harder, moms and wives. And I'm sure many of you are just like Jackie, my wife, for those that maybe do not know who Jackie is, who bristles up a bit concerning Ephesians 5.22. Mostly joking, I think. But 5.22 says, wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband's the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he's the savior of the body. Therefore, as a church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives speak to their husbands in everything. Remember, woman was created to be man's helpmate. Not a slave. Not your servant. It's not a master-servant relationship. But marriage is between two. As Ephesians 5.31 says, you've come together to cleave together To be as one flesh, working in unison, praying in unison, teaching your children in unison. You know, this special relationship is compared to unique, two unique divine relationships. As Christ submitted himself to God, the Father, to do his Father's will. And secondly, the relationship between Christ and the church, his bride. Jesus is not only the head of the church, but I emphasize that. I hope you caught it when I read it. He's the Savior of the body of believers. Man, your responsibility, fathers, your responsibility is greater than those of the child and the woman. It's not an accident that Paul addressed that last. We always say oftentimes, remember the last words. Aren't the last words the most important? The success of these first two relationships between parents and children and husbands and wives rests on our shoulders, men. 525, let's read it together here. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. How much should we love our spouses? It was right there as plain as day. As Jesus loved the church and displayed his willingness to lay down his life for it, which he did so willingly. Would you die in order to preserve your spouse, your wife's life? Does she feel you would die and lay down your life? Would you guard her and protect her to nurture and cherish her? Are you sincere enough in those actions and words. Or does it sometimes just seem like it's lip service. It needs to be a declaration of sacrificial love from you. Verse 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh. But nourisheth and cherisheth it. Even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. Does your wife feel that you do you nourish her and cherish her? As I already said, the command was is to be, not just was, is to be one flesh, spoken of as equally. Have you put aside your own interest to care for your wife? Spiritual leadership involves a loving service and sacrifice. Not that anyone would remember, but that was really the theme that I had preached on, I believe, the last Father's Day, was that leadership involved more than just a position and a title. Gentlemen, as we wrap it up, and musicians, if you would go ahead and move forward. Um, Truly, we we are wrapping. You know, it's not an accident that Paul devoted twice as many words to tell their husbands to love their wives as he did telling the wives to submit to the husbands. We need to remember that when, when uh, back in the book of Genesis, when Eve sinned in the garden, when Eve took the first bite, ate the first fruit, and brought it to Adam and said, it is good. Who did God go to? He didn't go to Eve. He came to Adam the responsibility was his. As husband, the responsibility is ours. Men, if I could summarize it in this, God's direction for us and to us, it's this, is be willing to sacrifice everything for your wife, for your children. Make her well-being of your primary importance. Care for your wife. as we just read, as you would care for yourself. Ladies and men, really both of our areas of responsibility has to be seen in unison and worked in unison, strive together. Unfortunately, the word of God didn't promise that would be easy either. It takes work. But through the strength and the word of God, the work doesn't have to be a burden. And it can be joyous. And I'm asking each one of you today, Number one, to, to, to praise God and give him the glory if everything is good. Yes, a lot of us have traveled through the valley, what felt like the valley of the shadow of the death, and we've come out on the other side. We didn't die. And we can praise him. And we can realize what a, what a journey and, and, to, and to share and encourage others. But not everyone is there yet. And I implore every one of you, if things, relationships, young people, if they're not where they need to be. And you know if they're not right. I don't know what's going on in your house, but you know if it's not right. (coughs) I implore, make today, pledge to God, pledge to each other to begin your makeover today. Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, I just, uh, we do thank you for the word. We thank you because you've not left us a people without hope. Lord God, you've definitely empowered us. You've, you've left us with the tools that we need. Father, you've given it all to us. You've laid, uh, you sacrificed all when Jesus died on the cross. Lord God, we, we, we can never overlook that, that without that sacrifice of love, none of this would be possible. We would be all lost and on our way to a devil's hell. Father, I thank you for getting me through what is certainly an emotional plea. Certainly is uh, um, thankful, really, that praising you, because Travis didn't know it, that through that he would open another little window into the dynamics of our relationship. And that's so special now. But Lord, there was times it wasn't. As Travis said that night when he spoke later, God, he said, I hope you didn't see me tonight, but that you saw Jesus. Anyone that came up to me that night later and they, they complimented me or whatever, I said it was all God. God, it was all you. I take no credit for anything and where we're at because it was all you. It was your power, your strength. You carrying me in the times when I couldn't walk that enabled me to be here today. Lord, I pray that others, if they're hurting, that they would would run to you. They would embrace your word. Lord, that this altar might be filled during this time of invitation. Families, couples, young adults, Young Mary's just getting started. Whatever the case might be. Children just pledging unto God. From this day forward, with God's help, we're going to strive. We're going to work to make a difference. God, for you can do truly what we can't. I hope if nothing else that we've, we've latched onto that that it's it's been an encouragement to to someone to realize there is a a God of love who can make all things possible. Heavenly Father, we just, we we would pray today, we'd be remiss if we didn't, that if there's anyone here today that's never trusted Christ as your Savior, Lord, that this is the day of salvation. This is the day, Father, that they might realize if if you're going to work in their life, they have to have that relationship. We mentioned that vertical relationship of us to God. And that bridge is Jesus Christ as Savior, as Lord of our life. God, I would pray that that would be the decision that would be made this day. Father, we do love you. We ask these things in, in Jesus' name.